So every year we would get like four or five seniors that played rugby that just were done oh, playing wow. football, would want to come out to play rugby. But we wouldn't get anybody else. Like we wouldn't get juniors, sophomores, or freshmen. So we would just, but we, those are always like the biggest impacting guys. I think the minute I stepped on our practice field for rugby, the calling happened. But an eight year plan to be on the team. And I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro. Right. And I walk around with a rugby ball sometimes and they're like, what is this child on? It looks like it was a heavy hit. It's up. It's not the option. You know, that's the first time I played like professional. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And there's two Scottish guys and I said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. That rugby is a game for all shapes and sizes, all cultural um, aspects. And he looked at me and he says, you guys are awesome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Time Bailey, and this is a show where we speak to people about the opportunities that they have found, created, or taken advantage of via rugby. Now, we got an amazing guest for you guys today, Daniel DeVillier Jr. of Howard University, captaining, captaining the, the Howard University men's side. Man, this was a great conversation straight out of New Orleans. So of course, you know, I, I got to give it up for my Louisiana people. But it was such a great in-depth discussion about uh, HBCUs and really the imagery creation of what rugby can be for the future and how it affects your lives, which is basically the point of this whole podcast, right? Like, that's, that's the point of the show. But it was a really great conversation to be able to have. Uh, we had a really interesting week. I know this is uh, 4th of July weekend, uh, very mixed feelings, Independence Day for the U.S. And if you're not in the U.S., then it's just the 4th of July, not Independence Day. So I hope you guys have had a great week so far, but uh, we're looking forward to being able to see into the future. Above the uh, above in the northern hemisphere, it is summertime and below it, I think it makes it officially wintertime down here. So um can't say that it's uh, uh, anything too major, but uh, at least interesting to be able to see what what can be. But guys, uh, I don't really have too much to say. You guys just enjoy, take it all in, get some HBCU rugby love, and please stay clear for Daniel Devalier. Grow What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Tommy Baylor, and we got another VI, extremely I, another extreme person, the P. I, I never get the letters correct, but this guy, he is one of the starters of, in this HBCU rugby game. Started off the Howard Rugby men's team, captain for the Howard Rugby men's team, fellow Louisiana, coming straight out of New Orleans, doing it big, Daniel Devalier. Thank you so much for coming through. Yeah, no man, no problem. I'm excited. This is this is dope. Man, you know, obviously we've been talking for a long time. It's been well over a year or two. And uh, you know, I, I remember whenever you first talked to me and you told me about how uh at Jesuit you had been uh clearly got you guys filming you guys over at, at Jesuit and all that time. It in one part was incredibly impressive, and I was like, Oh man, that's so awesome. The other half was like, Man, I legit feel old. <laughs> I've never actually felt that <laughs> so so concretely 
as a major transition. Yeah, you know, you've been doing this since I've been in high school. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not that far. Well, it's not that far. I'm a junior. I'm, I'm a rising senior right now. So about I four mean, years ago. True, true, true. But it's the perception game. And everybody knows perception is reality, even if it's not true. <laughs> so <laughs> it feels like it's 10 years. All right. This is what we're just going <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, um, I think our first time I met you was you i think you were announcing for the game i played for the nola gold like u19 academy I think we oh played when you guys played memphis. memphis yep yes memphis I, I i remember oh my goodness wow yeah that, like i literally can go back and pull that game up that was 2018 oh, yeah, don't don't put that game up that wasn't a good game for me but <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, that's so dope, bro. That I, I'm really happy to hear that. And you know, getting to this point now, where you've, I mean, it's 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 such a. And I know Jesuits program. I you know talked Adam Massey and them. Those are my guys, former t- players to rival against, and then friends over time. So, uh, you know, a great leadership branch to go from, and then to see what you're doing now at Howard is just legitimately impressive with what you guys are doing. Um, and I uh, thank you. I mean, we can talk about. RS Foundation and all that, but we're gonna give the credit for you and Tito and and, and the women and all everything. <laughs> you know, I appreciate it. it. Was a it was a really big group effort. Like it couldn't have been done without you know Miss Carrillo, the RSR Foundation, and everybody you just named. It took took a lot of time. It took a lot of effort in. So we had to jump a lot of hurdles to get here. So we're all just very happy to be here and excited to get going. Man, I love it. I love it. Well, look. I always like to say, you know, every superhero has their origin story, and I want to get to know what yours is. So before we, as we, before we get started here, I want to know, Daniel, man, tell me how you got started in rugby. <laughs> That's actually a really funny story. Um, I first started, I was at, it was in my eighth grade, it was my ninth grade year. It was my ninth grade year at Jesuit, and I wasn't doing anything at school at all. I wanted to play sports. My parents would let me play football. I was too short to play basketball. Also, just wasn't that good at basketball. So one of my friends, actually William Newell, he's um we came out to the first practice together, and he's actually the captain of the Spring Hill rugby team right now. So it's just nice. really dope to see what he's done. But we started out, and we just said, you know, like we don't really know anything about the sport. Let's just go out there and just see what it is. So I went to my first practice, and I didn't know what I was doing at all. And then Coach Massey was just like, just when you get the ball, just run as fast as you can, like in a straight line as fast as you can. <laughs> so when I got it, I just ran and I scored it. And I was like, well, this is actually like really, really fun. Like yeah. I just kept going out more and more. And I just kept falling in love with the game, like the more I played it. And it was really dope to see like when, when I started as a freshman, we were a good team. Like we made to a uh, championship game that year. Right. But we hadn't really gotten respect like within our school or like mm. within like uh, rugby itself hadn't really gotten that much respect in the city yet. So right. it was really dope. Like from the time I was a like, freshman to a senior, like the just like the evolution of rugby, like in the city for the school, just like for everything. So that's kind of where it all started. And then, um, yeah, I started playing travel year round. I played in Louisiana Exiles. That was our nice. uh, travel team that we did every summer. I did that every year I could. Going and up then, to like Colorado and playing and and yep. to those. Yeah, we normally played at Life. We played like two of the tournaments at Life University, but. That makes sense. Yeah, that was really it was it was really dope. That was a great experience. But yeah, um I didn't realize how much like, I genuinely loved the game though until probably my sophomore I was going into my junior year. It was my second year playing Exiles and I tore my ACL the Exiles tournament. Oh shoot. And yeah, I was a young kid. My parents were like, they don't we all right, so we're done, like we're not playing anymore, like you're retired. <laughs> 
I was going to say, be, before before you continue, how did your parents, how did you convince your parents to say, to allow you to continue to play rugby? But they were like, nah, 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 we can't do that football thing. But yo, you yeah, can come, come was, do this they rugby. Didn't, <laughs> they didn't really know anything about rugby at the time. So they didn't really the know. power of rugby. ignorance lets us thrive. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So by the time they realized how hard I was getting hit, I was like, I'm not stopping playing anymore. So it's like, <laughs> it's kind of what it is. But they, yeah, they were nervous about it from the moment they saw like probably the first game I ever played. And then I told my ACL, and they were like, so that's it. Like, we're done. Like, we're not playing anymore. Mm-hmm. I was like, no. Like, I'm trying to get back as fast as I can. <laughs> so. Trying to accelerate this process a exactly, little bit. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, for you, you know, obviously you you, you have a really be- – it, it's a huge benefit to have been able to start in, in your early years of high school. Um, I think anytime you get pre-college – training in rugby it puts you at a leaps and bounds advantage towards any of us who started in college and no matter even the athleticism i think that that skill knowledge plays in but for you you know entering into rugby obviously in new orleans wasn't big even though the the team had been around for since 2001 2002 or whatever so there's at least a legacy of players to at least go against um that you have but it like you said, it wasn't popular. So for you, when you entered into the sport, what was it like whenever you were telling people about it? Oh, I mean, I was honestly really blessed, like to um, like get involved in the sport for the first time with a team like Jesuit Jesuit New Orleans, yeah. because you know they're just a they're a very high quality, like very well performing rugby team, and they've been that yeah. since before I was there. So it's just like I already met all the history and things like that. And then my very first year in the championship. Nice. And then every year after that, we were in the championship. We actually had a three-peat from my sophomore year to my senior year. We won the championship three straight times. But um, I was just really blessed to be on, like, a winning team and a winning organization just as soon as I started. So when I was recruiting guys in the school, when I was telling people that I was playing rugby, it wasn't just like I played it for fun. It was like I was I took it, like, really, really, really serious. It was like, no, I right. played the championship team. Like, we, we're here to, like, to – we're not here to just, like, play and just tell everybody we play, like. Is that is that play? We're not we're not playing for we're not playing for the social. We're playing for the we're playing for the results. We can exactly. have fun with it, but the results we got to put exactly. in. So I used to tell people like all the time, all my classmates, I'd be like, "You play with us, you win a championship." So I mean, <laughs> if that's what you want to do, like come over here. I mean, you proved it. Like like, and that that's real because I know even within football, like Jesuit, Jesuit's not bad school when it comes to football either. But you know, it it, it hasn't gotten over there. There's a lot in that five A area that doesn't allow exactly. a, a lot of space there. So to be like, yo, if you want to get a chance, uh, pull off the sugar night, yo, if you want to be able to get your wins and not have to worry about people all up in your business, come exactly. play this Jesuit rugby life. <laughs> exactly. That's really what it was. So we actually got a lot of football guys off that. So like a lot of guys are finished their senior year, didn't win a championship. Yeah. But they see how we're doing. They just come out to practice. So so for you guys, though, what was the connection? What was the relationship between for the coaches between football and, and rugby? Because in so, so many cases, there's always seems to be this weird uh, uh, obstruction by a lot of uh, football coaches on allowing their guys to go play rugby. And to this day, I still haven't fully understood outside of the fact of like maybe a few injuries, but even in that time that they'd usually do it, you're either doing track or you're going to be doing, you know, OTA weightlifting, or you're going to be doing basketball, basically every element that you have to still get ACL injuries and that. So for you guys over at Jesuit, did you guys have that issue with the football uh, football administration? Oh, yeah. no, it was well? a big issue. It was a, it was a real big issue. I, the high school coaches at Jesuit, they wouldn't let 
anybody play rugby at all. So the only mm. people we would get, the football players, would be seniors who just finished the season, didn't have to commit to football anymore. So every year we would get like four or five seniors that played rugby that just were done oh, playing wow. football, would want to come out to play rugby. But we wouldn't get anybody else. Like we wouldn't get juniors, sophomores, or freshmen. So we would just, but we, those are always like the biggest impacting guys. Like I remember, especially my senior year, we had, we had, um, a bunch of backs that had been playing for about three years. Like it was me, right. it was my friend William. I remember Johnny Tyndall. Uh, yeah, is it William Monogrew? No, William Newell. Oh, Newell. Okay. Yeah. William Newell. Uh, I remember Johnny Tyndall and Cole Radicic, uh, Josh Stedman. So we had a bunch of like backs. So we all knew what we were doing, but we had no big guys like at all. Uh, and then, so yeah, we were a little bit concerned about that. And then as soon as that happened, um, as soon as the football season was over, we got about like five or six. Oh, that's legit, and especially especially whenever you can get that good rotation of uh, of, of props up front, yep. let alone, and then of course, uh, I'm pretty sure you guys were set for flankers, but definitely whenever you get your props and locks, and I'm assuming that's where it came into power mostly. Yep, exactly. That's where we got them from, and then we got a lot of guys from the O line, from the D line, uh, yeah. and then they they became huge for us. Like they, they the game clicked for them really early, so they were just like they were some of our biggest pieces in that season. So it was it was really dope to see them like start off as like novices didn't really know what they were doing to the time right. in the championship game they're telling me where they want to be telling me where they want the ball so it was, it was tough. you know one thing that you kind of mentioned was about the recruiting elements that you had and whenever you entered into rugby were you was that a position that you always were like you've always been a guy that like you love being bringing guys in being bringing people through or is it something that you know kind of came through as a result of rugby or is it just something that's just naturally part of you um I think honestly, it's probably a little bit of all three of those things. It's for me, I feel like it started with uh, so I was friends in high school with a bunch of different athletes. I was friends with the guys on the football team, I was friends with the guys on the basketball team, and it would always be like a lunchtime debate like which sport was more like harder to play. And right. I like I would always be sticking up for the rugby team. So then I would eventually just be like, guys, like if you want to see how hard it is, like come out to practice, like just come see like what it is, like just try to pass the ball the way we pass the ball. Like, Put up or shut up. Exactly, basically. So that's kind of where it started, and I got a couple guys doing that, and then I just saw like how it's it's a hard game to understand, but once it clicks, it just clicks. Like it, I don't really know how. To, like that's the best way I know how to describe it. So it was just like it was really cool to see like guys like would come out, they wouldn't be too sure, and then I would just see like in the moment it would click for them. And then they would just immediately fall in love with the game. So I would just really want to see guys doing that. And that's honestly, yeah, that's pretty much where it was for me. I just really wanted to see um, like my friends and guys like that, like not only win with us and win championships and things like that, but like just to experience the game. Because I know it's like, it's not, it's not like negative connotation in America, but it's just like, it's not nearly as popular as other sports. Right. You know, I, I always say this, you know, and especially when it comes to rugby, there's 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 different evolutions of rugby that seems to, that we see on the field, obviously. But then there's a different evolution of the perception of rugby. So I always like mention, like, I don't know if you ever saw the, this movie, Tommy Boy, that was with um, David Spade and uh, uh, the big dude. I can't remember his name at the moment. Anyways, they have this scene at the beginning of the movie where it's like the rugby team and it's kind of like, the old drunken, you know, disheveled, yada yada kind of rugby team, which again still exists, but it seems to be the imprinted memory of like you're kind of uh, mindlessly hitting people, and then yeah. you go just get drunk, and then you're just like kind of out of it, but you're just that rough, tough rugby team, and I feel like that imprint stays on most people's minds on what rugby is. All it is is mindless hitting, chaos, and then you know you party. But the party is kind of like frat boy party 
So it doesn't really exist in 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 an element that's super attractive to go to, but you're just like, yo, I respect it. Like, yo, you badass. But then, like, the reality I always like to talk about is that while the party element is there, it's not so mindless and and, and zombie-like in the effort. So you work so hard to try and shift people away uh, out of that, like, oh, man, you go without pads. I'm going to hurt myself, even though I'm six foot two and 250 pounds of pure muscle. I'm going to hurt myself. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, no, I mean, I think the connotation is it is people assume that it's played the way football is played. And that's right. honestly what I've always come across. That. Right. It's like, no, like football, you have pads, you have a helmet. They don't care how you hit them. You have to get them to the ground. Like it's right. illegal in rugby to hit somebody like above the chest, right? So or like, spear them, or exactly. launch your body. In, in essence, exactly. So it's just like you have to tackle safe in rugby because of that. And I think honestly, I talked to a lot of football guys that uh, my teammates that played football, and like, dude, I thought I knew how to tackle until I came out here. Like this is completely different. Like it's a lot more effective, and it's a lot more like it, it's it's less of an injury risk for me trying to tackle somebody and the person I'm tackling. Word. No, and that's and that's the realness. Like it, 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 it does create that that factor where you you have to tighten up your skills while also understanding like opening up the strategy more. Like you have to open up your mind more to more than than more than just your route. It's exactly. hey, how how do I how do I gameplay for the people with me as well as gameplay against the people I'm going against. Um, so no, that's real. So I want to kind of move forward on this one a little bit for you because for sure. I, I love the element of, of course, HBCUs. This is, you know, the, the bread and butter for a lot of what I want to do in rugby. Uh, for you, you know, I, I go back again when I talks about rugby, you know, in, in the black community, I think it's we're starting to see a little bit more change and rise in it. But for the longest time, let's be honest, rugby is a white boy sport, you yep. know. And so whenever you had decided graduated and you decided to go to an HBCU, what were and and I'm I'm in your mind you knew you're playing rugby, you've, you're coming off playing rugby. Did you have anybody talk to you about like the wildness of attempting to play rugby at an HBCU prior to you going in? Uh no, actually the story behind how I started it is actually really interesting. I didn't think I was gonna do this when I first went to uh, Howard. Like um Legit. I really wanted to keep playing rugby in college, but uh I've been wanting to go to Howard since I was like 10 years old, like 10, 11 years right. old. And then when my sister, she my sister wait, actually wait, before, you, before you continue on that, I'm sorry. What inspired you to want to go to Howard real quick? Um it's it's a mix of a lot of things. I've always been around a lot of Howard alumni, like mm-hmm. some of my mom's like great, like good friends. Her, they, they all went to Howard. Their sons went to Howard. My sister ended up going to Howard. So it was just, I was always around it and I always heard so much about it. And then partly because, you know, I went to Jesuit and that's just a predominantly white Catholic white school. school. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I really didn't want to, I wanted to experience like being in uh, an environment right. where I'm learning with people that all look like me and things like that. Right. So, right. I mean, I, was, I always knew it was, oh, I'm sorry. No worries, no worries. I told you he wanted to get some of the clout. He says, "Yo, yo, yo, you got to put the star, got to put the star on." Okay, <laughs> he loves to bark. He loves to bark. But um, yeah, that was really what it was for me. I just I knew I was always going to HBCU, and then at, at least going to HBCU. And I couldn't think of any other school that had uh, a team. I saw Morehouse had a team. I'd applied to Morehouse, but Howard just gave me way more money. Yeah. So like, yeah, I was just coming to terms with it by the end of my senior year. Just like this is the last couple games of rugby I'm going to play. Like. And I'm going to just enjoy it while it lasts and things like that. And then I played my last game, what I thought was going to be my last game ever. Um, 
for the exiles uh, that summer. And then actually coach Adam Massey walked up to me after that. And he was like, so you're going to, you're going to start a team, right? That's what you're going to do up there. Right. Right. And I thought he was joking. Like <laughs> it wasn't really anything. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just joking with him. And then um, probably I went my freshman year, uh, just kind of coming to grips with it. And then I started meeting people at Howard that also played rugby. And that was what made me thinking like, oh, I could really do this. Like I met one of my friends, uh, Reggie Huggins. He, yeah. um, he's from New York. He played rugby for years and years and years in New York. I met him. I found one of my friends that uh, actually played rugby at Brother Martin High School in New Orleans. He was like, yeah, I played. I'm at Howard. Um, Yo, that's legit. Yeah, man. It, it was really, really, really dope. And then we all lived in the same dorm building, too. So that was really what it was. And then one dude, my man, uh, Xavier Manning, he just uh, he's one of the founding members on the team, too. He just had a rugby ball. So we were just like, oh, yeah, let's let's just go pass around and do that. And then it was just so much fun. I realized that was what made me realize I missed it. Like my coach calls it the itch. You know what I mean? Like my uh, high school coach called it the itch. Just like you, you want to play again. Like you, you keep thinking about it. So I was giving it some thought, especially during quarantine, because like we really couldn't do anything else. And I was just sitting there thinking. So then I called uh, Coach Massey one day and he was just like, yeah, I'll get you in touch and see what I can do. So I was just I was just seeing if it was a possibility. So he put me in touch with uh, Tim Brown. He's um, one of the coaches for the professional uh, D.C. team, Old Glory. Mm-hmm. And then he calls me and he's like, dude, like you couldn't have tried to do this at a better time. Like uh, the rugby community in like D.C. especially is growing like exponentially really, really fast. And we've honestly been trying to see if we could get a team at Howard for years. We have never had somebody like on the inside to be able to like talk to the school about it and be able to represent it. Because right now they're just seeing like, frankly, just they're just seeing a couple white guys asking if they can uh, coach a HBCU yep. team. So that just gave me a lot of inspiration. It made me really like dedicated to it. So yeah, that's what happened. And then I had a um, he helped me schedule an interested players meeting. Uh, anybody that would be interested, do it. We did it on Zoom. And then that was actually where I met Takunda Rasike. I hope I'm saying her last name right. Rasike, Rasike. Um, and she was in the meeting as well. And then she reached out to me and said, "Hey, I've been really thinking about this too. I want to start a women's team." And I was like, "Man, like, why not? Like, let's just let's let's do as much as we possibly can right now." So then, and then Takunda. Man, I can't say enough about Takunda. Like, this really couldn't have happened without her. She's 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 the heart and soul of the whole team. Like, she, when she puts her mind to something, man, it she she pushed me along a lot of times. Exactly, she pushed me <laughs> along. A lot of times, I was losing losing hope because getting Howard to actually confirm that we could do this was a long struggle. It was a it was a summer long process between me, her, uh, Coach Tim Brown, and uh, Tito, and everybody else. Mm-hmm. So she she pushed us all along for that. But yeah, that's where I met her, and that's honestly where it all kind of really started. But yeah, this wasn't in. I wasn't thinking about doing this like seriously, like at all, until That's I got amazing. here. You know, and sometimes it, it it is that like, and I I love the the setup because you know I talk about this a lot when it comes to the HBCUs. There's there's the opportunity. I feel like there's a there's people enough people to create tent poles because as you saw, like uh, with to what's her name again, Takunda, Takunda. So uh, a lot with, with with people like Takunda or or what happened in Morehouse or what we had over at Prairie View A and M, like when you have tentpole people, you can create a kind of like a, a a field of of um attraction towards them and build around that. But the hardest part is always trying to find somebody who wants to who has an itch, and I love the the word has an itch enough to want to be able to continue to play and then be able to keep going from that. And I think. What with you guys, um, you know, and obviously with Kirill and everybody else, uh, you guys created uh, a, that next level of the wave because 
from creating the HBCU rugby classic to that point, it was just talks. I, I can't tell you how many people I talked to about can there be rugby at so-and-so HBCU and XYZ state. And it was like, yeah, of course there can just find one person who wants to play and just build around them. You just need that lightning rod. But exactly. it's, it's, that's, that's like a really big uh, thing for, for me and Takunda, especially like we knew that we were kind of just like starting something. We had no idea how it was going to work. We had no mm-hmm. idea. We honestly didn't expect it to take off this fast. Like I know me, especially um, I thought it was going to take a little bit of work and I was hoping I was more so thinking about what's going to come after me and right. things like that. And just like, as long as it's there and it started, but we got guys like ready immediately. Guys were like, Oh my God. Like we got, I announced in the summer and I remember a couple guys that were coming to Howard for the first time. Like, Oh, I didn't think I was going to get to play rugby. Like a lot of guys in the exact same position as me who yep. wanted to go to Howard, but that, that team wasn't there. So they felt like they had to give up on their dream or they had to give up on their sport that they truly love just to go to the school that they wanted to go to. So we had guys like it was an on like it was an enormous amount of support, like within the school, from the students, within the whole rugby community in D.C. And we really, really weren't expecting that. But we knew that like it, when we were walking into this, like we have to be the people to, you know, spearhead this because if, right. if it's not us, then who is it going to be? Facts. You know, and, and that's that's really the mindset that has to be done when it comes to these these elements, because it is. It is an effort to do it. It is such a commitment. And I have to imagine that, especially as you ramped up and then, of course, the pandemic and we'll, we'll go into that. But like right after the pandemic, you know, you're dealing with trying to get back into some range of normality, dealing with your n- normal day to day schoolwork. And then you have to basically be at every practice because you set the example like it's it's more than just whatever regular captain like you are literally setting up the the example you and and your co-founders are setting up the example and making sure that everybody follows that for you like how was that in terms of understanding how to schedule your time oh i'm still figuring that one out but uh, (laughs) i'm still figuring that one out but yeah, I knew it was gonna be a lot of responsibility, but it just it came down to just like I wanted to do it. Like yeah. I just really, 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 really wanted it. And that's ultimately just what it was for me. It's just I never thought that I could be doing something like this. So once I was in that position, I didn't want to give it up for anything. Right. So yeah, I made sure I was at as many practices as I could go to. I was at every single one that I could possibly be at. Like if I wasn't sick, if something wasn't broken, like if I didn't have like something I had to go to, I was there and I was there early and I was making nice. sure guys were there and I was talking to guys about that. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the, it was very time consuming, but it's like rewarding. It's fulfilling. It's, it's, it's something I really enjoy doing. So I don't really necessarily see it as like something that takes over my life. It's just like, Word. to me, it always felt like rugby was missing after I started doing that. You know, like rugby to me was like, was like my comfort zone. It was like my space where I go in. I'm just like, I'm genuinely just having fun. It doesn't really matter what it is. Like I'm genuinely just having fun at all times playing that sport. So when I was out there, man, like it, it could be four of us at practice. I would be having a blast. Like I would just be yeah. excited to be there. Like just excited to know that like I'm at Howard and we're having a rugby practice right now. Like it's, that's the, it's the ultimate combination. Yep. Yo, no, I feel that. Like even when you speak of the itch, like I know I've been feeling. I've I've had the same thing. I haven't like I haven't been able to touch a field. I haven't touched the field in since 2018, and it should have been since 2019, but I unfortunately decided not to go play the game and i didn't realize it was going to be you know a whole pandemic later before being able to to start again but whenever you have that itch like 
it, 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 it's so interesting driver. Like you can do a lot of things around it, but you need to be able to get back to that, that field for you, especially seeing other guys who have come from a lot of different places. Cause Howard obviously is a very diverse, uh, in terms of regions and, 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 and cultures that, that go to that school, you know, for you, what's one of the things that aside from you playing yourself that really inspired you on, on, uh, continuing to be there, like, the reaction. What was something from the? What were some of the reactions that you really noticed uh, from people who were on your team now, from both the men's and the women's side? That was like, yo, we're we're really on a right path here. Yeah, man. It was honestly that's probably what it was the most for me, man. Like I just saw a lot of guys that um really loved the game. That's honestly what it came down to. Like all the guys on my team, they really love to play. That's really what everybody who's played before like really, really, really enjoys it. And I remember. This is what drives me the most, and it's actually uh, it was our vice captain. Who's our vice captain now? It's Tavares West. I posted when I announced that we had the team going, and I was still so nervous about it and things like that. He posted right. on his Twitter. He was like, "I can't believe I get to play rugby at Howard University," and he posted like a highlight clip of him scoring like in a rugby game, and that right. me like that meant a lot to me. I don't I don't think I've ever told him that, but that <laughs> meant a lot to me, man. Like just to see that because I I at that time I had no idea who he was. Yeah, so I was just like just to see somebody like that. Like I know it like it meant so much to me because it was, it made me feel like I wasn't like, I wasn't the only person, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't the only one trying to do this. And that was the first time I really saw something like that. Cause I had like my two or three guys that I knew in the dorm and I was like, yeah, we can start this off. We can get it going. But I was really nervous about just like who would all be coming out to things like scaling that. of it, man. Exactly. So that was probably my biggest benefactor. And then honestly, to be honest, it was the, it was the HBC rugby classic that, that, uh, motivated me a lot too because you know it started in baton rouge obviously you, right. know, you know that started in baton rouge <laughs> i've heard stories i've heard stories <laughs> yeah so it was, it was it was an hour away man i knew about it yeah. from the time i was in high school and i was like man i would love to play there like i would love to do that so by the time i announced the team i was like man if we can get howard to be there like if we can get howard yeah. to be at the team at the classic that would be huge like not just for us not just for the classic but like just for HBCU sports, like HBCU in rugby in general. Exactly. Like it's, it would be huge just to be able to put the Mecca in a spotlight like that and be able to like exist in a space that we previously like weren't in. Yeah. Cause you know, that that's always been the other thing, like being able to see the blue bloods of HBCUs now, you know, Howard, Morehouse, Clark, Atlanta, uh, A&T to some extent, but uh, you know, <laughs> but basically Atlanta, Howard, and then, Kind of everybody in between Alabama and M maybe on a, on a slighter edge, but to see those blue bloods of of uh, HBCUs, it, it w- absolutely changes the game. I even saw it a little bit whenever Morehouse won in 2019, and they were able to like the spread of Morehouse winning was so much more of a wave than when Prairie View A and M did, and it was really interesting because again it goes back to that interconnected network of of HBCUs of HBCU alumni like. You 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 have so much history. Like for me, you know, HBCUs. My my introduction to HBCUs came from is old, but you know, you probably know it from from the show A Different World, which oh, was yeah. like Hillman was like the best. And the only the only reason I didn't end up going to the HBCU was just legitimately just ignorance. It was just it was just <laughs> ignorance on 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 it. Like I had Southern University there, which was dope, but I knew I didn't want to stay in the state of Louisiana. And then it was just like, all right, what do we want to do? Let's make sure we can, you know, at the time, it was be like, ah, all right, we need to be in the world where 
can get the most diversity, but little did you know, like my yeah, you one day it is gonna come back. Let's just put it like that. So it'll come back for the masters. But the point that I was trying to make is that the key components of the HBCUs become more highlighted whenever you see the biggest ones. And I think it makes it so much more impressive because a lot of those myths that got told, especially to a lot of us back in the day, and now even moving forward as HBCUs become more in the highlight, start to get broken down. And that's, I I love being able to see that uh, more and more. Um, You know, when, when you guys are, have been, and especially after this season, you know, what was, actually, I'm going to ask you a different question first and then go to that one. For you, what do you feel was, I don't want to say a better experience, but what do you think had more impact for you? The first time that you really started to feel like you understood rugby in high school or how you have understood rugby from an administrative level and then player level now that you've been part of a creating a team? Oh, that's a that's a hard one. Um, it's, it's that's what we do here, man. <laughs> it's it's really hard. Like for me, especially like rugby, like clicked for me, and I realized I started to understand it. Like at the tournament that I tore my ACL at, right? So it was just like it was like it felt year. like as soon as I got it, like it was taken away from me. You know what I mean? Right. So it was like I was working really hard to get back, and that was a big motivator for me. Like, but it would probably have to be Howard. It, it like just hands down, it'll probably have to be Howard, just because it's not just about me this time. You know what I mean? Like it's about everything else. Like I know people who, um, I know a couple guys who are like, they know people that want to come to Howard in order to like get a spotlight, to be able to play rugby professionally. You know yeah. what I mean? That's not something I want to do, but like I'm thinking about all the people that do want to do that and the people after me that want to do that and things like that. And that means like the world to me to be able to provide that platform to people to where they can come to a HBCU that they've always wanted to go to but have had doubts about because, you know, they couldn't play the sport they love to play. Not only can they do that, they can play it at the highest level now. Because, like, I think that's the big thing, the main thing that, uh, you know, the entire team, like, the men's and women's side wants to accomplish. It's just, like, four or five years down the line, we don't want to just be known as, like, a rugby team. Like, we want to be known exactly. as a team that can program Exactly. Like, yeah. an elite program that competes at the highest level. So that's really the main goal and everything that everybody on the organization is pushing to get. So – just to know that we're getting there, like step by step, that keeps me motivated like every single day. So it, you know, it's definitely a different type of feeling. I feel that. I feel that. Do you see some of those because of that knowledge, because of that kind of motivation, but more because of the skills that you're kind of learning as a result? Have you seen it spill over into uh, what you do for your major? And what is your major over yeah. at Howard? <laughs> actually, it actually worked out. Perfect. I, don't, I really don't know. I'm a legal communications major, a uh, sports administration minor. So, oh, nice. Exactly. Nice. So, this is the internship that you you never would have imagined getting that actually ends up being the perfect internship. Exactly. So it, it, it was perfect for me, man. I declared that. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with it. I wasn't really sure where I was going to go with it. But now I get that experience of, you know, like being at the head, like the helm of an administration, a sports administration team. Right. So getting that experience right now, just like basically handling all the day to day making sure guys are at practice, handling uh, meetings, handling interviews and things like that, really interviews, but handling like, you know, like getting new players, handling recruiting process and things like that. It really allowed me to like really see exactly why I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Because before I just loved sports and I just wanted to like be around them. But like now I have a much more like clear definition of exactly what I want to accomplish, like with my major and my career goals after. Man, that's dope. 
you know, and that's that's the one thing. Like I've always talked about, like the maximization of rugby, and in terms of not just what happens on the pitch, but how it works in terms of affecting culture. I always use this example of where I've seen, uh, in terms of rugby providing confidence and that confidence actually shifting culture. And I I use this example. I went out to Cambodia 2019, getting ready, going to the Rugby World Cup. I uh, got to go see. Um, you know, these girls, it, there's a, a nonprofit program uh, called Campuchia Balap that used to that basically gets the girl, girls from around the area and they play rugby, you know, and, and mm-hmm. from that, you saw that the confidence levels in the girls actually shifted the way that they perceived what their future was. So by typical cultural standards, it would be most women end up being either housewives or uh in in uh cooking or something that's a very you know a very gender specific menial job whereas mm-hmm. after they played rugby they started seeing themselves as being more than just that so if, if it was oh we're just going to be a wife you started hearing people talking about oh i want to be a baker i want to travel i want to be a doctor and that shift in the mindset changes the actual culture of the country itself because that is a dynamic shift that it means that you, you you've obviously scaled past what is your expectation and that creates a pathway for other people afterwards so to be able to see that was always where i liked with culture so when you talk about how this indirectly affects what you want to do with sports administration i look at that again as rugby continuing to show its maximization that it's more than just what happens between the 110 meters of lines that we have going on there, you know, and, and being able to spell past that. Have you been able to see, have you been able to see, you know, some uh, additional, was it bad support from your family who were less inclined about the rugby stuff after the ACL? Uh, have you seen with what you've done with the, the, at, at, at Morehouse with the team, have you seen them be able to acclimate more? And oh able- yeah. I mean, they were, they were nervous about that up until I started playing again. So I, mm-hmm. I basically missed my whole junior year and I played like the last game of the season, my junior year. Mm-hmm. And it was just all year. I'd be at physical therapy. Like they would, they would be asking me all year. You sure you want to do this again? You sure you want to do this again? I would just tell them yes. Every single time, like without hesitation, without a doubt in my mind, like I just wanted to get back on the field. So once they saw how much I like genuinely love the game, like how much I was dedicated to it, it honestly, like they gave me their full support right after that. Like, they honestly still don't even really understand rugby that much to this day, but they're there screaming for me and things like that at every game they can be at. So, yeah, when I told them I wanted to do this, they just told me go for it. You know what I mean? Like, they just told me, like, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be you. Like, yeah, like I really truly believe, like, my family, like, raises leaders. You know what I mean? Like, awesome. everybody around me, like, I see just a bunch of people who they don't really, like, follow their, like, the past that, like, everybody else, like, set out for them. They do exactly right. what they want to do, and they go and they accomplish it. Like, from my cousins to my sisters to my aunts to my uncles to both my parents. So, like, it was a really big thing for me, and it meant a lot to me, like, especially family-wise, that I would get to put this own, like, unique stamp on our name and things like that. So, once I officially did it, man, like, my, my mom's been my number one supporter. <laughs> like That's awesome. Yeah, if you go check out her Facebook, it's just all all rugby that's, stuff. That's, you just really know what she's talking about. That's the best. And I'm whenever you get the family support, that it's it means the most because it it's a different level of foundation. Friends and everything, your your family and rugby, your you know admin supporters, it's great. But whenever your close family legitimate is like, yo, we're just we're just gonna be out here rooting out for you and come yep. seize your games. Like it hits different soul, you know. 
Oh, I know for sure, for sure. Yeah, and they give me they give me overwhelming amounts of support, man. Like there will be times where I would think I'm not even gonna get it done, like in the summer, because it was just like we had to overcome so many hurdles. There was a point where we thought we we accomplished getting the team started, and then we didn't. And I was just like, I was talking to them. I was like, I really don't know if this is gonna happen. Like I just don't know if it's gonna happen. My mom's like, Oh no, that's 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 not the right mindset at all. Like let's get this together. Like let's talk to your dad about it. Because my father's like, uh, he's a lawyer, so he was trying to help me figure out like exactly like what the legal terms were that were that were blocking us in the way. Like he would get on the he he my dad would get on the phone with a bunch of different people just to like help me figure out what I'm doing. Like they gave me as much support as they possibly could. Like. And that meant a lot to me, especially for like a sport that they don't really know that much about and that they didn't necessarily even want me playing that much. Right. But they just saw how much I really loved it and they were able to do that for me. Oh, that's legit. So you, we've mentioned it a couple of times and I want to kind of get to it, but it was is the challenges that you guys actually ended up dealing with in uh, getting the, this team up and going. Um, can you kind of expand on some of them? I know there's, there's two parts that I want to ask, really. Uh, the first one was dealing with utilizing the name Howard. Uh, and actually being able to be recognized as Howard Rugby. Uh, can you kind of talk about, like, what was the experience and, and really what was happening uh, when it came to trying to establish you guys selves as an actual club on the team in that way? Yeah, I mean, we started out, uh, we reached out to the intramural department of the school, trying to see if we could just start as an intramural team. Um, and then we wanted to be intramural, but we wanted to play other schools. So they had to let us do that, but then – there were so many words that we couldn't use because it was trademarked and we'd have to go through six to eight to nine week processes in order to get that accomplished. And they didn't tell us any of this until like we reached out about doing this stuff in May. Like they said, everything was cool. We could do everything we want to do up until maybe like late July, like mid and probably mid to late July. And then yeah. it was just like, they threw all this on us and we had all this preparation for when we're going back to campus next month. You know, this so, was 2020, right? When this yeah, was going on. Wow. It was uh, after the COVID, like after the pandemic, Howard's about to go back to school. It was to start my junior year, start of this year. And they just basically were just like, actually, no, like you need to have, you can't use this word. You can't use Howard. You can't use bison. You can't use, you can't have the uh, picture of the bison in your logo. You can't have certain things in there. So we had to come up with a lot of different solutions. And we came up with the solution of using the uh, team name Herd. So we actually go by Herd Rugby. Like we're the Howard Herd Rugby team. Mm-hmm. But, um, and they were like, you can't put Howard on your jersey because that's a, a, a copyrighted, Same. trademarked word or something like that. So we were just like, okay, we'll just put the huge, big red H on our on our jersey, and everybody knows what that stands for. So. Right. Exactly. So. No, that, no, continue. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, no, it was really just about like overcoming a lot of different things like that, and it was a lot about me and Takunda just having to sit down and like get creative with the way we were trying to do things. So like in order to like bypass like the, you know, like the nine week waiting process that we'd have to do for a lot of different things, we were able to, uh, first of all, come up with the name Herd and then come up with different designs for our team. Like we had to come up with a whole new logo. We created, we had created a crest that they told us we couldn't use. So it, it was just a lot, it was a lot of like problems initially to start off that, um, we haven't had anything that since though, like since we started yeah. the team and since we've been out to practice, everything's been smooth sailing. And then Howard, Howard's been giving us their support for the most part. I was going to say, what is, what is the support that Howard's been given? I mean, I, I, and I understand, you know, I, I, as you get more into administrative stuff when it comes to sports, I understand a lot of those issues when it comes to like trademarks and stuff like that, especially whenever they've signed licensing deals with certain people. And you're just like, okay, like I, I get, this is annoying. I wish you could have said something, but I get it. Um, yep. So it's dope that you guys found yourselves away. But um, what's been some of the support that you guys have been able to have 
from Howard itself or even from the campus itself? Um, well, from the students, it's always been supportive. Like from the moment we announced the team, like we get a bunch of different guys saying like, hey, this is amazing. Like keep going. Even if they're not playing, they'll repost our stuff. They'll, they'll, they'll try to see if they, if they know anybody else that wants to play and things like that from guys and girls. Like I can say for sure the output from girls has been like overwhelming. Like Takunda nice. said, she, she, I wish she was here to talk about it, but she talks about how all the time, like, oh, I'm getting her next. Okay. Oh, she's here next. Sure. Yeah, no, no, no. She would love to talk about that. But yeah, the, her, especially the women's team, like they took off immediately. Like they're able to do 15s right now, 15s, 13s uh, type rugby. Legit. And like we're still a sevens team because we're still like relatively small. But like it was like 20, 30 girls, like within like the first two months, probably two, three months, That's they were awesome. like, yeah, no, we want to play. Like, yeah, we, we want to be out here. We want to play. So Takunda got her team together quick and it was like really, really, really cool. The men's team took a little bit more time, but like we're, we're a smaller team, but like we're, we're very, very, very competitive at the very least right. too. Like we're not, we're not anything like, you know, like not getting pushed over. Exactly. We're not anything to gloss over or anything like that. So that was honestly the main thing. And then Howard, you know, a lot of schools are just like, you know, like what have you done for me lately type things. Mm -hmm. So like it, we had to put in a lot of work in the front half of, of this year. But, you know, once I saw we were getting interviews, we were getting posted on uh, articles, we were having all, like, Takunda has a couple, I'm pretty sure she's working on a commercial right now. And then she had a whole, like, interview on the news station where, like, a news team came out and filmed the practice and things like that. Right. And once they saw just how much the D.C. community, the rugby community, and, like, how much publicity we were getting, how I was like, okay, yeah, like, let's see, see what we can do. Because initially, you weren't even allowed to use the football field. Like, we were practicing 20 minutes away from campus all piling into like three cars just to get out there. <laughs> yeah. That is the true rugby bonding experience. Like oh, whenever you have to travel to go <laughs> your stuff with you guys. Seriously. Yes, indeed. But yeah, that was initially what it started out as. And then next, the second semester of the year, Howard allowed us to use the field for practices and things like that. So, but yeah, it took a lot of hard work in the front half just from, you know, not, not just me and Takunda, like everybody, like every single person on the women's team, having the commitment to go out there every two, like two times a week, uh, get out like probably 20 minutes away, pile in the car, get to practice, focusing on, you know, everything we need to focus on and like working, you know, like mm -hmm. not just like on our game, but like on recruiting, on building like the reputation and like the rapport of the organization itself. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, if Howard sees that you're doing a lot of work to do something, I'm sure like nine times out of 10, they'll be willing to like help you. Jump like, help you out. Exactly. So I wanted to ask about one more thing because you guys had a little bit of a controversy over at Howard and um, this was 2021, end of 2020, when it came to the dorm situations. Did that impact what you guys were doing on the rugby team? And how did that actually even impact you guys as students? Because it was such a kind of wild situation, but uh, it, it, it does go to resilience. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, well, me personally, it didn't really impact me that much because I wasn't living in dorms anymore. I'd become an upperclassman. So a lot of upperclassmen normally live off campus after, you know, after their sophomore year. So I was living off campus. So I wasn't really, like, affected directly by it. But I know a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of people who have been directly affected by that mm -hmm. event. And it, I don't really necessarily think it um, messed with anything that we were trying to do. It made it a lot harder. They, they were protesting um, outside of our school cafeteria. So we, a lot of times we would recruit by like setting up a table with a poster board just right outside the cafeteria for people to like just see when they're walking in. Maximize the situation. Exactly. <laughs> Social justice and uh, come play some rugby. 
<laughs> oh no, 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 we didn't. We didn't do that during the protest. But oh, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, no, gotcha, gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, look. I, again, it, it would have been. Uh, look, you, you, you're balancing out. Hey, look, they they might not be giving you dorm sleep, but we're gonna give you some great reps over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, they they basically they shut down the building we were doing that in for the protest, yeah. so we weren't able to recruit for like. Not not able to not recruit, but we weren't able to recruit like in that space right. in that area, and that's honestly probably the most effective place to do it in, and like at the school, so we weren't able to do that. But that was really it, like mm-hmm. that was pretty much it. And then you know the whole team gave their like as much support as they could to like the protests and everything going on, and we stood with all the students that were affected by it because we're an organization created like by students for students. Right. So like any student problems that we see or that we have, we, we try to help out whenever way that we can. So when we saw that going on, we all um, we bent it together. We had a couple guys go out a couple of different nights just to help protest and things like that. Um, pretty sure the women's team did something similar as well. But yeah, we we showed our, our support and things of that nature, but it didn't really like derail any plans that we had. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, that was that was a very big widespread event. It, it was it was. Yeah, pretty it, much all it, over the news. It was a very, it was a very interesting focus that goes through it. But I mean, again, it's, it's, it's where you see, you know, the character growth, and that's why I said like how, how these things create their impact, like what, what's their domino effect from there. So that's dope. So all right, so I want to even ask, you know, when it comes to the HBCUs, because this is one part that you know people ironically notably that you know what's funny doing the hbcu rugby classic taught me how little people actually knew about hbcus because i legitimately thought like hbcus were well much better well known uh at that point because i'm like look i mean again you know we're in baton rouge you got southern new orleans you got xavier and dillard and no uh suno and you know it's just like okay we, we got buku this buku uh uh hbcus like who doesn't know about this exactly but doing it Man, look, how many people were like the what is it called again? The 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 historical colleges? No, the the black universities. The I'm like, wait, what? Wait, you guys don't actually know this? Like, really? Yep. Okay. So for you, I want to ask, you know, give me the pitch as to why people need to go to I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna keep it even specific. Why people should go to Howard. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, Put you on the spot. <laughs> Recruit, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Me personally, like my all, all my reasoning for going to Howard was Howard's the mecca. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the spotlight. It's the center of attention for HBCUs, and it's honestly just like there's so much rich history there that if you actually spent time and like looked at the people that came from Howard University, you would see how many like faces, how many big names, how many just amazing people have walked through the same halls you walked through, lived in the same building you lived in, like attend the same classes you attended, like walk, walk through the same yard you went through and things like that. Um, going to Howard, it definitely changes you and it changes you for the better. It allows you to be, uh, I wouldn't say like comfortable being black, but like it allows you to be way more confident being black. It allows you to, uh, a phrase that a lot of people say that's, uh, it's leaving me right now, but it's like a lot of people, if they're the only black person in the room, they're scared to raise their hand. You know what I mean? Howard teaches you that not only should you not be scared, you should be confident. You should want to do that. You should want to represent just like not just like for yourself, but like for everyone that looks like you and things like that. So when you're learning and you're getting to experience not only the culture of the school, but you get to experience like just the friendships that you get to have, like 
just all the possibilities of just what you can accomplish in your four years here. It's it, like, you can't even really explain it. Like you can honestly do whatever you put your mind to on this campus. And not only do you do that, you get to do it with a bunch of people that look like you, like you get to experience black culture at its peak. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's really, really hard to put into words, like what the experience means to you. It's more about just like, if you want to be a part of something special and unique, then Howard's probably definitely the place for you to go. But that's the same thing I feel like with all HBCUs though. Like if you want to go to a, if you want to go to an HBCU, I don't personally don't think you can make a wrong decision. I just think that um, as long as you're going to one, you know what I mean. So I think all HBCUs kind of have that uniqueness about them. They have that culture. They have that uh, you know, that they, honestly that never say die attitude. Where it's just like, yeah, we might not have the most amount of money that most schools have. We might not be the best. Uh, I guess like looking at times schools, but like when you're there, you really see why people want to go there. Like you see the, I keep saying, like, I keep going back to the word culture, but yeah, man, like it's just, it's just, they have such a rich history and like rich involvement with just the student body and things that everybody's able to accomplish. And you just see so many like leaders come out of these schools and it's not just, it's not just leaders, like it's black leaders. And that's what's the most important thing to me. Man, I, I love that. And, and, and you're preaching over here, bro. You are <laughs> preaching. Let's go. I love it, and and I and I, and I, I love that 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 the content because you know it, it is so true. Like, I always, again, it's always one of those things. Wherever some people will be like, "Oh, HBC is only for black people," and it's like, no, it's not only for black people. But you need to understand you're entering into a black cultural environment, and you also need to understand that this is a normal environment. This isn't. The normal environment, and then you're going to the black man. It's not an other; it is a just an alternative environment. Exactly. But it's one that we grow so much in, and I, it, it's I've always appreciated it from the standpoint. Um, you know, you you don't know what you you don't know what you have until you enter into it. And whenever I'm I'm one who's been to Buku White, predominantly white places. I, I lived in Iowa at one point. So. <laughs> Like, like you, you know, whenever you're in that space where it's with people who look like you, with familiar understandings of culture, familiar, uh, uh, um, you know, familiar um, likes and 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 relative uh, behavior, it it it's a comfort area that you underestimate. You how good it is, you know. Definitely. So, like, I I love it. We wouldn't. We need more people at these HBCUs, and there's actually a pretty good amount. Like, <laughs> it's a pretty good amount, but it can be more. It can be more. Yeah, no, that's very true. And like the HBCU, like we're growing in all the areas that people doubt us in. You know what I mean? Like yes. people point to our athletics and things like that to say our athletics aren't that nice. I mean, we have. I mean, no Jackson State for their football. You know, they're getting a lot of big, big, big recruits. And things like that. I know for a fact our Howard women's uh, basketball team—they just made the uh, March Madness made tournament. The final, right? Yep, for the first time in their history, and things like that. And we have—I um, know for a fact—I'm also a uh, sports journalist for the Hilltop currently. So I, nice. I used to cover the uh, men's basketball team. And I know somebody named uh, Kyle Foster. He's a senior uh, at Howard right now. He's about to enter the NBA draft combine and things like that. So it's people proving that not only can you do everything that you wanted to do whether it's academics, whether it's sports, whether it's art, whether it's technology, you can do it at a school where you're around everyone that looks like you. And you can do it with right. peers that have been through the exact same struggles as you that know exactly what it means to be black and to be black like in America. And I, I love that. And look, especially for you coming from New Orleans, even though it's the West Bank, but coming from New Orleans, you know, 
Westbrook. <laughs> the Westbrook is New Orleans. The Westbrook is New Orleans. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> question it a little bit. But, you know, we'll give it to you. We'll give it to you. It is sure, at least being able sure. to make that transition over. No, um, no, no. It, that, that is, it's a continuing Chocolate City concept. Man, you went from Chocolate City to Chocolate City. So, uh, you know, and the D.C. area has been treating you well as well, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah, has. Dude, I love it. Daniel, man, I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on here. Uh, dude, where can people find the information about Howard uh, Howard Men's Univ- Howard Rugby Men and Women um, and, and how they can participate? For sure, man. You can find us on pretty much all social medias. We have an Instagram page for both teams. It's Howard Men's Rugby and uh, Howard Women's Rugby. And then our Twitter page that we're starting up right about now is the Herd Rugby. It's just Herd Rugby at Herd Rugby on Twitter. And then we also have a website, which is the HowardRugbyClub.org. And you can go there and you can see about uh, we write a bunch of different articles about the season, about our guys. You meet a lot of our players. You meet our coaches. You can see. And then we also have forums for guys that are interested that want to participate. So, yeah, all of our history is on there right now. We're just getting bigger and bigger. And then we also um, we have a collaboration coming out with a clothing brand. And that was another thing I wanted to talk about with like culture and things of that nature. It's just like, it. We're, yeah, we're doing things with like, we're trying to ingratiate ourselves like in black culture and things like that. So we have a clothing brand called Platinum Worldwide. They're an up and coming clothing brand. They're black owned. Uh, the CEO is actually a good friend of mine. And he, when I reached out to him about the possibility of collaborating, he wanted to do it. And he was just like, man, this is a great thing. So we have that collaboration coming out real soon. If anyone wants to check that out, it's platinumworldwide.com. Just search that up. And then, um, or you can check their Instagram, it's Platinum Worldwide. They have posts about the cl- upcoming collaboration with us that will be happening probably next couple of weeks or so. Dope, but man. yeah, man, we're we're trying to get everywhere. We're trying to get everywhere. That's what it's about, man. Yo, I, I love that. That's that's the ambition that goes into in into rugby, where I've always felt like rugby lacks is in the pop culture element. And there's so many ways to be able to enter into it, um, but it hasn't been. And mm-hmm. another reason why I found the significance of HBCUs into it because it changes the game and it Americanizes rugby a lot more. I said it. It Americanizes it way more. It needs it that way. Oh, ah, man, yeah. We're going to keep it up to date. Oh, yeah. And of course, you know, we're going to get you, we're, we're doing it. We're going to have you guys as on part of the next HBCU rugby classic. We're not going to say the rest of it after at this point about the rest. We'll talk about it later. You guys can worry about this who are listening to it later. But you know, there's stuff happening. There's stuff For happening sure. over big here. Things, big things. Big things. <laughs> man. But Daniel, man, again, thank you so much, man. I love the story. And uh, yo, I look forward to continue to watch you guys grow and develop and become the greatness that's uh, supposed to be. For sure, man. I really appreciate you. Thanks for, ha- thanks for having me. Hang tight. One second. Daniel, man, thank you so much for just taking the time to do this. We appreciate you guys. Please take an opportunity to listen to some of our past episodes. We just had Diane Johnson last week. Uh, great conversation about youth nutrition and the journey that she's had being able to be a nutritionist and help elite youth athlete, elite youth athletes, athletes can't get it in. Um, and of course, please check out some of our other shows. Uh, great list and lineup. Um, previously, we had Mark Diaz. And we've had some amazing people over the course. Definitely check it out. And of course, most importantly, I hope that you're happy. I hope that you're healthy. And I hope that you know that you are highly favored. Until next time, cheers.